Not Your Boyfriend Sports Show. I'm Maeve, and I know you're all expecting Bryn, but this week she's out doing fieldwork in Malawi, so wasn't able to join me. But instead, we're welcoming five amazing guests in a special two-part series over the next two weeks. They're all young women working hard in the sports industry, and they're here to tell us about their experiences navigating a typically male-dominated field, how they see that changing, and why they love their jobs. On this episode, I'm joined by Ash McDaniel and Erica Wertheim, so let's get started. I am now talking with Ash McDaniel, who is a segment producer at Golf Channel. And Ash and I actually first met at GW, uh, sort of later on in college, I guess. Yeah, a little um, bit, a little bit later. (laughs) But still a fellow colonial, so really happy to welcome you to the show, and thanks so much for coming on. Thanks. Very, very happy to be on here. (laughs) So uh, as you know, we talk on this show a lot about how sports can be a window into larger social or cultural issues. And some of these that we've discussed have been professional issues like women in sports journalism or the pay gap between athletes. But for this week's episode, in Bryn's absence, we wanted to bring on women like you who are actually out there doing it and get a glimpse of your experiences. But before we get to all of that, let's go back to the beginning. And I want to start out with what your personal history with sports is, how you became a fan, how you got interested, if you played growing up, if your family was obsessed with sports. Why does Ash care about sports? (laughs) So I actually come from a very athletic very tall, big family, and I am five foot four. So I am the one who always wanted to play sports, but was just too tiny to do so. I wanted to be a basketball player, specifically Alonzo Mourning when I was younger. <laughs> I grew up a Heat fan. I wanted to play football. And of course, you know, you're five foot four and you're a girl, you're not going to play football. But um, my love of sports really stemmed from my mom. Um, she is the biggest football fan you'll ever meet in your life. Um, huge Dolphins fan, Canes fan. So it was a way to kind of hang out with my mom on the weekends. We would just be watching football. It's what my mom always did. We go to the mall Sunday morning and then we would make sure we were back in time for, you know, the one o'clock games. That's just what what you did. game day. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Mall and lunch and then you come back and watch football and it was was really great. Well, I love that you uh, credit your mom with getting you really interested in sports because a lot of times we hear about dads and how they're so influential. And don't get me wrong, like so many great sports memories with my dad and dads all over the world. Um, but I especially love that it was something that you and your mom did together. Yeah. And so- this is actually this is, this is actually the greatest part too. It's like so we went to like a handful of games growing up, but like we don't really go to games because first of all it's Miami it's really hot but (laughs) secondly because then you miss the four o'clock game like that's her biggest criticism of going to a football game is like then she can't watch the four o'clock game but yeah women women in my life have played huge sports roles my aunt's a huge baseball fan watched it with her my grandma used to go to every Canes game like it's just it wasn't weird in my family to be a girl and like sports and then when I was in school and guys would be like, oh, my God, you know so much about sports. That's so cool. And I'm like, yeah, like, I'm a person. Like, how do you <laughs> like, It just seems really normal. And then you meet girls who, like, don't know who Peyton Manning is. And you're just like, how do you get through life not knowing who Peyton Manning is? <laughs> so 
yeah, moving forward a little bit, after growing up in Florida, you then moved to Washington, D.C., which is where I met you. Sports is not really what people think of first when they think of D.C. It's more politics, uh, and GW certainly plays to that. So tell us a little bit about your college experience when you were becoming really focused on sports in a town and in a college where politics really is the primary focus for a lot of people. So the great thing about D.C. is that while it is a great political town, it is a four-sport city. They have the four big sports uh, represented there, um, which is really awesome because it gave me the opportunity to sort of test out which area I liked more. When I was getting ready to go to school, I was kind of undecided really about what I wanted to focus more on. I really thought maybe politics would grab me a bit more than it ended up doing. News is great and hard news. I I love to read about and it's a great hobby, but I just realized I could not make a, a life around that. Whereas sports is just kind of fun. You deal a little bit less in touchy, hardcore issues that impact you every day. Like, you know, I'm a Dolphins fan. If the Dolphins lose, it upsets me, but it doesn't like ruin my life. You know what I mean? And going to school like GW in DC is a really, offered a really great opportunity for me to still work on my writing, to be able to hone my writing skills was just such a great thing that GW offered me. And I also met a lot of different people. You know, if you go to a state school and uh, in Florida and you cover the, you know, the you know your college team I think that that provides you with a great experience but I got to meet people who didn't really work in sports and I got to hear their perspective on journalism and I got to hear their writing and I think that that really influenced me a lot more and made me a better writer and a better journalist after GW it was obviously time to find a job (laughs) so (laughs) Tell us a little bit about how you transitioned from college and what were the things that were most useful to you in finding your first job in sports out of college? Actually, the way I found my job was just by going online. I know that sounds kind of boring, but um, (laughs) one thing I did like specifically, which is kind of funny looking back on it, was like, okay, I have this interview with Golf Channel. What can I do specifically for them? I've covered all these sports. I've written all these articles, but I've never written anything on golf. Um, I know the game of golf. I grew up in South Florida. Like, everyone plays (laughs) golf down there. But how do I do something? So I went out and did a story on the GW golf team and literally spent, like, maybe three hours with the golf team, came back to GW, edited the story in, like, two hours and, and put it on a disc. And so when I showed it to them, I said, this is what I did in five hours. So it kind of gives you more of a sense of like, this is what I imagine like real world is like. Um, Okay, well, next, I want to talk with you about opportunity. Because when we were emailing back and forth, sort of organizing this conversation, I asked you, you know, is there anything in particular that you'd really like to talk about? And uh, I want to read the little snippet that you wrote to me. It's good to highlight, especially for women, how to seek out opportunities, how to find a workplace that is willing to offer chances and making the most of them when offered. The best story to really tell about opportunity for me came when I was in school. I really wanted to work on the show Pardon the Interruption. I wanted to be an intern there. I knew it was filmed in D.C. And I was like, I have to be on the show. I went online 
tried to find, I, I don't know if it's changed since then, but at least back in, back in the day, um, <laughs> you, couldn't fi- you couldn't apply to be an intern on PTI on ESPN's website. You could apply for all their other shows, but for some reason, PTI was not on there. So um, the hosts are Mike Walbon and Tony Kornheiser, and they both um, worked for the Washington Post as well as columnists. So I said, okay, I haven't been able to find this on ESPN.com I, I don't know how else to apply for this internship, so I'm just going to call them at their offices <laughs> at the post. Well, no one answered, and I left them each a voicemail. And I did it the next week and the week after that and the week after that. And it was about two to three months of me leaving weekly voicemails for them. I love um, this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like, it's so ridiculous. But um, I was I was persistent. Finally, one day, I'm just in my dorm room doing you know, homework or something. And all of a sudden I get this phone call from a, you know, DC number and I pick it up. I'm like, hello. And it's Tony Kornheiser on the other end. <laughs> not and even like the intern at the time. <laughs> no, no, not an intern, not an assistant, not, no. It was Tony Kornheiser calling me back. And of course I, I recognize the voice, but I'm like, no, this can't be. And he's like, <laughs> like, hi, Ash. Uh, how are you doing? I was like, I'm, I'm good. He's like, do you know who this is? I'm like, is this Tony Kornheiser? <laughs> and it was. And so he's, he's going to get me in if I'm still interested in interning. He's going to get me in touch with, you know, one of the producers there. And so then, you know, I talked to the producer later on and ended up getting offered an internship. And I did a summer internship there, which was great, really a great opportunity. But um, I've always said that, you know, I, <laughs> I kind of badgered Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser for quite a little while a little to try to get this internship. But, you know, it's it's about making opportunities for yourself when you might not see them there. I could have just given up at that point and said, well, I can't find it online. You know, it's just not in the cards. But I said, you know, this was something I really wanted. And, you know, it worked out really great. And it, I, it's still one of my favorite internships I did. But then also, um, you know, in my professional life now, I've sought out opportunities. Um, you know, I started at Golf Channel as a production associate, which is, you know, kind of the intro level position you can have in television. And I said very early on to my bosses, you know, I want to be a producer. Like, I want to produce shows. Then at certain points, opportunities that have been presented to me because I made my intentions very clear about what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I started producing shows, I think last year. Um, and since then I've done it a lot and it's, it's been great. And I think that it was seeking out those opportunities and having a workplace that offers them to you. You know, my boss would say, Hey, we want you to produce next week. How does that sound? I always say yes. You know, but I also ask like, Hey, you know, we're getting to the slow season of, you know, golf. Would I be able to get to, you know, get in the producer's chair a couple times next month. Um, if you want something, you know, your boss might not know it. So go out and tell them explicitly, this is what I would like yeah. to do. This is how I would like to do it. <laughs> and remind this. constantly. <laughs> well, I also want to pick up on um, something that uh, you wrote in your email and that's related to opportunity. So you said that you think it's uh, that women especially should uh, seek opportunity 
And, you know, you've obviously been successful in creating opportunities for yourself. How, why do you think that this is particularly important for women, especially in sports? When I was an intern, I would look around a lot of times as sports internship and there weren't any other females there. At Golf Channel, we are a growing member um, <laughs> there, but there are still less women than men in my department. So I feel like if you're going to be less visible at a, you know, at, at any company in sports, you kind of have to make sure that you're heard then um, because there, there are less of you. And that might just be because less women are interested in sports or more women don't want to try it because they think it is, you know, a boys club. Yeah. I would say that that is very quickly changing. I, I see it a lot every day, you know, even since I have been out there professionally, I've seen more women be hired and that's great. And especially getting more women in leadership positions, you know, I take a lot of pride in the fact that I get to line produce shows at Golf Channel. I am so fortunate that I get to do that. And I want to see more women be able to line produce shows. You know, I'm, I'm very much uh, proud of the fact that you know, there are a lot of women at Golf Channel who know golf in and out just as good as any other guy does. And I don't feel like we have to prove ourselves in that same way. But I do feel like more women should get involved in sports. And I think that there are more women getting involved in sports. And I, I think that will be really great for the industry as a whole to, to see more women who are passionate about sports and able to work in the industry. Yeah, just more visibility almost. Exactly. Um, so I also want to ask you, being among a smaller group of women working at the Golf Channel, what do you think uh, is a benefit of being a woman working in sports? And what do you think is a challenge? I would say that one of the main benefits is a lot of women at my work, I'm very close with. I feel like we're kind of a, a tight knit group you know, some of them are a little bit older than me and you kind of see what they've been able to achieve in this industry. And it's remarkable. You know, some of them I feel like have been very influential in helping me to get better as a producer, to get better at my just day-to-day -day job. And so I, I feel like that sort of female camaraderie, that's a, that's a really good advantage. I would say disadvantage is sometimes you do feel a little bit more like an outsider, just because, you know, growing up, especially, I think it's, you know, watching a lot of football and baseball, you don't, you don't see women represented. You still feel like, oh, maybe it's kind of weird that I like sports so much. Maybe this is, you know, kind of a bizarre thing to be doing. Um, I would say, though, that in my day-to-day -day life, I don't really notice that many disadvantages of being a woman. I think that, you know, most people look at the job that you do and as long as you're making an opportunity for yourself to do something really great and you live up to those expectations that you set, I, I don't really think it matters so much your gender as long as you're doing a great job and putting yourself out there. Well, that's certainly encouraging to hear that you're feeling like you're being judged on the basis of your work and your knowledge and not um, maybe conscious or subconscious biases about what women are are not supposed to know about sports. But the next thing that I wanted to ask you was that I know you covered the Olympics in 2014. 
So first of all, just tell us what that was like. You were at, at the Sochi Russia Olympics. And then, you know, what were you seeing at, at the Olympics in terms of um, coverage between men's and women's sports? So I was really fortunate to be able to go and cover the Olympics in Sochi. Um, Golf Channel is a part of the NBC Sports Group. Um, so I was chosen to uh, go and uh, be a part of the Olympics coverage for NBC. The great thing is that you have so many people from all across NBC coming together for the Olympics and working on it. So one woman who I worked with a lot was a producer on, you know, nightly news. Then somebody else who I was working with actually does NBC golf tournament stuff. So it's like this blending of a bunch of different people together um, to cover the Olympics, which is really great. In general, the Olympics was such a fun experience for me. I worked on something called sports desk, um, which we did a lot of feature stories. It was great because I actually got to go out to a lot of different events. I went out to hockey, um, figure skating, um, and uh, speed skating as well. And you get to learn a lot about some different athletes. Um, you get that, you know, you don't see, you know, week to week. Right, I'm, right. I cover golf for a living. You know, I, <laughs> I obviously don't know a whole lot about men's speed skating, but I got to learn a lot while I was out there. And particularly because I was in a feature group, I got to learn a lot more in depth about some stories of different athletes and what they've gone through. You know, I feel like any time that you get the opportunity to go and be a part of something as great as the Olympics, you, you jump at it. Nice. Well, um, the Olympics are certainly a high point of athletics every four years. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm really envious that you got to go and see it firsthand (laughs) and, yeah, it was, it was definitely one of, the, one of the coolest things that I've ever had the privilege of being a part of, for sure. Yeah. All right. So next question. Um, you've mentioned a few women throughout our conversation, starting with your mom, a couple of professors, um, how tight you are with your coworkers. So on this podcast, we often highlight a fierce lady, either an athlete. Well, we usually do athletes or, or other people in athletic pursuits. Um, so I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell the listeners about a fierce lady you think that they should know about, whether it's an athlete, whether it's one of your coworkers, whether it's somebody in your field who you admire. So who is your fierce lady? Um, okay, I am going to have to say Angela Heyman. She is one of our talent at Golf Channel. Um, she is a reporter. She started, I believe, this year. And... I mean, she she came to us at Golf Channel, and I was her first ever field producer. And she, first of all, is great at her job to begin with, and she's a good friend of mine as well. But she is so good at, you know, taking notes from people. Like, hey, you know, I would say to her, like, hey, you know, that was, that was a great job you just did, but maybe, you know, add this or that into the next hit that we do. And and she just absorbs that and completely makes the next, you know, the next hit just really great. She takes advice from everybody. She is someone who's always like, hey, can I have done this better or that better? Or, you know, I'll show her, you know, uh, a good website to find some good stats or something like that. And she just, yeah. she takes it all in and just really runs with it. Well, definitely an admirable characteristic to be able to take constructive criticism, which can be so hard sometimes. So listeners, start watching Angela and Golf Channel. 
uh, endorsed here by Ash McDaniel on Not Your Boyfriend's Sports Show. Seal of approval for Angela. <laughs> All right. Well, Ash, thank you so much for joining the show. And it's really been a great conversation. So as we would say on this podcast, good game, Ash. Well, good game. Well, but uh, in, the, in the golf world, we uh, might say nice round. Uh, And a nice round to you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks, Ash. Thank you. Welcome to Not Your Boyfriend's Sports Show, Erica Wertheim, who is an account director at The Post Game, and Erica is living in New York City. And thank you so much for coming on to the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. So as you know, for this episode, we're speaking with young women who work in sports. And we talk a lot on this podcast about how sports can be a window into larger societal or cultural issues. And this includes professional hurdles. But let's back up and start at the beginning where all good stories start. And um, tell us a little bit about your personal history with sports. Um, did you play them growing up? Is your family sports crazed? Just some background on how Erica became somebody who cares about sports. Absolutely. So uh, I'm an only child, and I think my father, uh, just his love of sports kind of um, permeated onto me whether or not I wanted it to. Um, His text messages to me are not, hey, how's your day going? It's, did you see the Mets game and this and this happened? Or did you see what happened with the Yankees? So my background, I was a dancer for a while, uh, played a little bit of lacrosse, um, but it was more so, I also grew up with all boys in the family. Um, So the mixture of the two kind of just solidified my love of sports. You know, I worked uh, during college, I worked for the New York Mets, uh, interning for them for a summer, uh, which was an incredible experience because they're a wonderful organization to work for. Um, It also showed me, though, that if you work for a of a, a for a professional sports team, you don't have much of a social life. Huh. So yeah, you if they have twelve game homestand, you are working for twelve days straight. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's back up a little bit. So you went to college, and you're a fellow GW Colonial, um, and yes. so I understand that you studied sports management in school at GW. How did you decide that in college you wanted to really pursue sports as a career? And tell us a little bit about what it was like academically to be in that major, you know, the split in the classroom between boys and girls. Yeah. Give us a little bit of insight into that. Absolutely. So uh, when I got to GW, I knew that I wanted to study business, but I wasn't exactly sure of the concentration I wanted to do. So I decided to go half with my passion and half with a solid background. So I double concentrated or double majored as other schools would call it in uh, marketing and sport event hospitality management. Um, The professor for the sports management program, uh, Lisa Delpy Narati, is one of the most incredible women I've ever met. And she really helped solidify the fact that that was something that was of interest to me. She helped put me in touch with the boss that I work with now, who I've been with for the past five and a half years. She sends out nonstop job opportunities for her students. She has a sports listserv where she just wants you to get 
the most amount of experience possible and wants you to be happy and wants you to succeed in the sports world. Uh, I happened to be one of her TAs my last year of working with her or studying at school. And um, it was a great experience. In terms of the split between males and females, it was actually more split than you would think. I'd say it was about a 60-40 split, males-females. I think because GW has a really strong sports management program, a lot of people actually use that as a reason to come to the school. So it wasn't as, you know, 90%, 10% like it would have been in the past with males, females. There was definitely, I could see a bit of a turn. And this is when there was a lot more, um, you know, I started school in 2007 and graduated in 2011. So you can see at that time period, there were a lot more female sportscasters coming around and females were starting to be taken a bit more seriously in the sports arena. So how much influence do you think having um, a woman as your mentor in college changed your path? I mean, I know you said that she was a big part of your decision to focus on sports, but do you think it would have been the same or you would have uh, believed that it was such a possibility if it had been uh, a male professor? I'm kind of one of those people that doesn't believe in cultural norms. So I think if I have that drive that even if it was a male professor, I would be like, well, I'm doing this anyway. And if you (laughs) don't think I could do it, I'm still going to go. Um, we love that attitude have, on this podcast. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, but I do have to say that, you know, having her to kind of look up to where it's not so easy being a female in sports, a lot of times where you do constantly feel like you have to prove yourself and you're not just trying to be a pretty face or right. try to get connections or, you know, meet players is it's more of a challenge as a female definitely than it is as a male. So having her, um, just her experiences. I mean, she has been to so many past Olympic games. She goes to every single Olympics for the past like 25 years and brings students along with her. She has ties in with the world cup. She just kind of showed me that doesn't matter if you're male or female, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or race or anything that if this is your passion and you have the drive, you can succeed and she will help you. Awesome. I love hearing that. Um, Okay, so fast forwarding a little bit, you graduate from college and then um, you said that this professor had uh, introduced you to your boss right now at the post game. So how did you meet that person? What were your initial discussions like and how did you decide that the post game would be a good fit for you? Absolutely. So um, that professor we were discussing, she started this program um, based at GW called SYNC, Sports in Network Conference. And what she would do is have sports leaders uh, from all over the country come in and talk to students. I mean, everyone from Randy Levine, the president of the Yankees, to people that were working at IMG to, I mean, you name it, and she brought in those people. And so there were panels for two days, and you could sit in on anything you were interested in, whether it was how sports and social interact uh, and the future of that how technology is playing uh, a role in sports moving forward, how the different roles that you can be in in sports. I mean, she would bring in sports lawyers, things that you wouldn't even think like, oh, I want to be a lawyer and I'm interested in sports. And so um, my boss, uh, obviously not my boss at the time, but he was at one of those first uh, conferences that she started 
And I heard a little bit about him, but after hearing him speak, I approached him and just said, hey, I know some people that have worked for you. I want to do the same. How about I intern for you? And um, that was five and a half years ago, and wow. I'm still with him. So <laughs> it was a good matchup. <laughs> so five years ago, you started as an intern. And what were you doing then? And how has your career progressed since then to where you are now? My role started off as simply as you know, finding out if there are, if bars in different geographical areas have certain team affiliations because mm-hmm. there was this app called Fan Finder. And so if you were a displaced fan in another city, you can type in your zip code, type in what team you were a fan of, and then find a bar to actually watch with your fellow teammates. You know, my role started off as something as simply as that. And then when I graduated college, um, I became his account manager. And what that entailed was creating proposals and media plans and helping to figure out pricing and talking to clients. From that role, I became an account executive, which is the next level up, but actually doing selling myself. So I was given uh, the region of Boston, which has been market, which means kind of middle of the road deals, Um, nothing (laughs) major, nothing really small, but you know, I was the youngest seller by far and I had no idea what I was doing. So I was making up the rules as I went along. Yeah. And luckily I was successful in that. And then I got uh, promoted to an account director about a year and a half ago, a little over a year and a half ago. And that gave me a lot more clout. I kind of took on a lot more roles. I went from dealing solely with selling online banners and media to now doing massive production deals where I'm traveling all over the country and meeting with clients and setting up tailgates and doing athlete interviews. And so it kind of, the role continually evolves as the website evolves. Um, But the great thing is I've kind of been here since day one. So I'm allowed to have all of this hands-on experience at my age, which is 26, um, whereas a lot of my counterparts would not have this opportunity. All right, so shifting a little bit, as I said before, we talk on this podcast a lot about um, the societal cultural issues that sports introduce, and we've done a couple uh, episodes that have touched on women in sports professions. So my question is, what do you think are the major benefits of being a woman working in the sports industry, and what would you say are the biggest challenges? Probably at least benefits-wise, I would say and this may sound silly, but even when dealing with athletes, sometimes it's just easier for them to speak to a woman than it is a man. Sometimes when they're speaking to men, it's almost like a competition of Mm -hmm. who's more manly. And even though the person who's interviewing or the person who's trying to do business with them does not mean it in that way, it comes off as such. Whereas a woman, we tend to be a bit more empathetic. And so we're able to kind of read those social cues and those nonverbal cues where we're able to kind of tailor the way we speak and interact with them. And they don't see us as really trying to compete with them or trying to put them in an uncomfortable position. And they tend to open up a little bit more and be a little more comfortable speaking to us. So that's something that I've actually noticed. Yeah, that's great. Like drawing on maybe not even traits that you think that you hold yourself, but sort of flipping that societal standard of women are supposed to be empathetic, women are supposed to be, you know, care handlers, and really flipping the script on that and using that to your advantage. All right. And uh, what would you say is a challenge of being a woman working in sports? There's always that question of 
how far can I push? This amazing ad where it was like a guy in a boardroom saying this and this. And it's like, wow, he has authority. He has power. And the woman, it's like the people were whispering, wow, she's such a bitch. Like, you know, what is she doing? And so I think it's really hard um, for women and for me as well to flirt that line between, okay, I need to be authoritative and I need to be taken seriously. And I deserve certain things like raises or this or that. But I also need to not be viewed as someone who is standoffish or bitchy, whereas a lot of men don't have to worry about that. They're able to kind of be themselves, be strong, be powerful. And a lot of times that's taken as a positive. We really have to be careful just kind of how we position everything we say, every way we ask for everything and everything we do. And that's frustrating. Yeah, I think that this line that you're talking about between what counts as authoritative and what counts as bitchy is a really interesting one. And I think it's one that women in every industry are constantly navigating. So definitely something to pay attention to. Okay, well, so shifting gears a little bit from thinking about sort of the internal dynamics of your job to some of the external dynamics. You do a lot with advertising and marketing and uh, media markets and things like this. So in terms of engaging with female sports fans, is there a brand or, or another media outlet or another company who you think is doing a really great job with uh, women's sports? In relation to sports itself, it's funny. There are just certain companies that surprise you. Um, you know, we'll ask sometimes, we'll have a production deal going with a certain advertiser and we'll ask, okay, here's a list of 30 athletes. Give us like your top 10 so we yeah. know who to go after and who you like. And brands you would never think of will send back all female athletes and you're like, Whoa, where did that come from? But I would say overall, I mean, it's still male sports get a lot more attention than female sports do. Yeah. Um, I would say kind of with the exception of tennis, the, I was yeah. at the Venus versus Serena match at the U.S. Open and they were first and then most of the people left and Djokovic was playing second. He's number one in the world. <laughs> he ended up winning the U.S. Open. And I'd say at least half the stadium cleared out and didn't even stay for that match because everyone was there to see Venus and Serena. I think there are certain females who are getting these brands to think of them and they're such a strong force that brands can't ignore them. Yeah. But we're far from being on the same level as men. Yeah, so I think that you bring up a lot of issues that we've discussed on this podcast before. Um, for instance, tennis is a great example. It's sort of the exception to the rule where they've put male and female players on, on a pretty equal playing field whereby, you know, the prize money is the same, the women's games are shown in prime time, uh, the publicity, the marketing around them are much more equitable. And so it's sort of this question of the chicken or the egg uh, you know, there's an idea that women's sports are less entertaining because women are inherently less athletic. Or are we looking at it in the wrong way because maybe there's not the type of media coverage or attention or publicity or advertising deals to bring female athletes to the fore and make them um, just as alluring as their male counterparts. So what what type of um, dynamics do you see in that regard from sort of a publicity marketing perspective? Chicken and the egg to a T. Um, <laughs> I don't think you could have said it better. Um, I was actually at, um, have you heard of the Players' Tribune? It's Derek Jeter's publication uh, where athletes kind of have their own voice. Okay, Have great. you seen it? I haven't actually, okay, so, I'll have to check it out. Yeah, it's great. It's called the Players' Tribune and basically um, – 
on it during the launch party. I was there covering the event and there was this female golfer, Stacey Lewis there. And she put it perfectly. She's like, you know, it's funny guys and athletes walk around and they're like, the media is taking over my life and there's paparazzi everywhere and there's so much going on and they complain so much. And she's standing there. She's like, hi, do you want to take my picture? Do you want to interview? <laughs> like the female golf world is incredible right now. And yeah. we have to beg for the attention. And so I think like you said, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. And I think it's really based on it needs more attention and it needs some strong backings like somebody like Derek Jeter who recognizes this and says I want this person on my panel I want her voice out there because she deserves to have a voice another great example is um, a lacrosse player a notable lacrosse player his name's Paul Rabel uh-huh. um, you know he was walking the red carpet and it was my job to interview them and as he's walking I was like Paul can I talk to you tell me about what's going on with lacrosse and this and that and he answered my questions for about two minutes and then he said you know who you should be talking to my wife And he pulls his wife over and he's like, she is an even better lacrosse player than I am. She has been playing for years. She's also a professional. Ask her the, like the role of women's uh, sports in lacrosse and how it's growing and how it's becoming popular. And I thought that was amazing. And I think that you need attitudes like that. You need people who are kind of leaders in their industry and leaders in their sports saying, look at these females, check them out because they are kicking ass. And I think the more that the men that people respect say that, Mm -hmm. the more attention these women will start to receive. Yeah. So I think you've hit on another really interesting point in terms of, you know, we can look to male athletes to be allies of female athletes. And I think that it also doesn't just extend to um, issues concerning women, but also issues concerning LGBT athletes and their ability to be out and be successful, or even racial issues, socioeconomic issues. And uh, I'm sometimes sort of surprised at how secondary these uh, broader cultural issues are to the sport and the game. And yes, that's the main product. And yes, that's how these people became successful. But, you know, you have people's attention. And and what else do you want to do with that attention beyond, you know, throw and catch a ball really well? Um, okay, so maybe last question here. Uh, thinking about your experiences so far as a woman in the sports industry, your experiences in college, your experiences growing up, um, if you were going to give one piece of advice to a, a young woman graduating from college this spring, interested in working in sports, what is something that you would tell her and what's, what's the thing that you wish you had known starting out? To not be afraid to have a voice. Um, I think as wonderful as my position has been, and I'm so lucky to be in the company I'm in, I don't think that I was comfortable enough voicing my opinion during the first year, year and a half of my career. I didn't feel comfortable enough to speak up about it because I was afraid, oh my goodness, maybe I'll lose my job. Maybe they'll find someone better. Maybe, uh, you know, a guy wouldn't complain about this. And I think that your voice is incredibly important. And as long as you're not saying some outstanding demand or claiming that you know everything, (laughs) 
but that you're just really saying, this is important to me. This is what I think we should do here. I think there is nothing more important than having that voice. So um, I wish I knew that when I first started, uh, but I've definitely grown into my voice. So that is my biggest piece of advice. I think that's a great piece of advice, not only for starting out, but wherever people are, I think always believing in yourself and knowing that what you have to say is important is very sage wisdom. And I'm sure that our listeners will appreciate that. So... (laughs) Um, Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show. And um, before we sign off, was there anything else that we missed? Anything that you wish we had talked about? Um, no, I think you're do- what you're doing is wonderful. And I think it's great that you're kind of providing uh, a forum for women to discuss what's going on because that's the only way that things can get better. So I applaud you and thank you. Wow, well, thanks a lot, and I'm so glad that you could be part of this conversation. <laughs>